This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to Puckcast with Statsman and AJ, Rotowire's hockey podcast show. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My partner on these pods, as always, is AJ Scholes, and you can follow him at AJ Scholes24. That's AJ S C H O L Z 24. On today's pod, we're going to talk about the 10th week of the NHL season. As always, our aim is to identify most added, most dropped players, as well as identifying the new roster opportunities and storylines around each team. But first, I want to share a true bucket list item that I experienced last week when I attended the Alamar Sports Camp in Dunedin, Florida. The host was former Blue Jays perennial all-star and Hall of Famer Roberto Alomar, who brought in 15 other former Jays and 88 campers, including me, to play in a baseball tournament right in the Blue Jays' uh, AAA facility, facilities in Dunedin, Florida. I had never played organized baseball, AJ, and I played in uh, softball leagues a number of years ago. It's a different experience, though, when you're talking about playing with big leaguers and certainly facingly, facing people who can throw the ball and make it move and dance like I'd never seen before. In terms of personal stats, though, I can report that I batted 333 over 18 at-bats and played pretty well in the field. So all in all, I feel pretty good about myself and uh, having the time to share with uh, Blue Jays, who were my heroes uh, many years ago. It was an indescribable thrill. I came out of it, though, with a lot of aches and pains, including a pulled hamstring, but really enjoyed the experience. So I want to send my thanks out to Robbie and uh, the people that work at Alomar Sports. They put on a great job. Oh, and uh, I have to mention also, AJ, I really enjoyed that hockey game on Saturday night between our two favorite teams. <laughs> okay. Yeah. okay, partner of mine. Toronto's, I'm sure you did. Toronto's hockey club is still ahead of Pittsburgh's teams in the standings, so uh, boom, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, having watched my pens repeatedly, I, I stretch repeatedly, bounce the President's Trophy winning Capitals from the playoffs. I'm not really concerned about who's, uh, you know, tops in the standings. Uh, in fact, I just looked it up before we came on. Only twice in the last 14 seasons has the President's Trophy winner also won the Stanley Cup. So not a concern of mine. Just got to be in the playoffs. Uh, Nashville obviously showed that last year. They were a wild card team, made it all the way to the Stanley Cup final. So just got to make the tournament. And uh, we're, we're in a good spot to do that. So I really have no concerns. If you want the jinx of the President's Cup, 
trophy paul it's all yours feel free uh you enjoy that but uh, i'm not uh, i'm not really striving for that uh, for my team uh, but before we kick off the rest of the show, I'll remind our listeners that throughout the week, if you have questions about your lineups, fantasy hockey, or just hockey in general, you can tweet at us. We'll try and answer those questions for you. Uh, as Paul mentioned, you can follow me at AJSholes24. You can follow Paul the Statsman at Statsman22. All right, AJ, let's go through these 31 teams and pick out a storyline or two where we'll highlight the, the circumstances that evolved just as we said we would among other stories that are cropping up. First of all, in Anaheim, this team is likely the most snake bit in terms of ongoing injury woes this season. They're still missing only Lindholm on defense, but now they're down four regulars up front with Stilberg and Blandisi, the most recent to join that long list. I would look no further than their current top six, though, if you're hunting for any fantasy value. Beyond that, it's a real scramble to fill out the third and fourth lines. The rest, are, they're, they're just placeholders down there. The best news of all, though, is that they just got word that their captain, Ryan Getzlaff, is finally going to return to action tonight. And if they can ever get Ryan Kessler back soon, that's going to give them a real unprecedented depth down the middle, I do believe. Yeah, I definitely agree. And, and to your point, Paul, about the injuries mounting up, you know, you had Corey Perry uh, suffer a lower body injury that required him to go to a to a local hospital. Uh, that's obviously a big concern. They haven't provided any sort of update on his status, but you have to imagine that's going to be a long term absence. Uh, just you know, the nature of of that injury. Uh, they did get Jakob Silverberg back uh, as well. Uh, Joe Blandisi appears to be, uh, you know, trending in the right direction. Uh, we'll see if he, you know, makes it or makes it into the lineup or not. But yeah, injuries have really been the key for this team. I mean, there's no, there's no way to talk about the Ducks without talking about the injury woes. Um, you know, Gibson has faced, I, I, and I think a lot due to the the injuries has just faced a ton of shots this this season. Uh, over the last five games, you know, 173 shots on goal. Uh, fortunately, he's performing well, a .925 save percentage in that stretch. Um, but that's every one of those games is 30 or more shots, including a 43 outing against the Golden Knights. And so uh, some health on the team might uh, help prevent some of these shots on goal because uh, eventually, you know, you can do – all you want your save percentage can be pretty decent but when you're facing that many shots you're eventually going to give some up and i think that's why we're also seeing a 2.5 goals against average for him just because the sheer volume of pucks that he's seeing over in arizona they are back to their losing ways aj after going two and eight in their last 10 games this team can ill afford an up and upper body injury that keeps a key defender like like gel Jalmerson, who is on the IR and missing from the lineup since November 28th. The interesting aspect of this current roster is that their three young guns are all playing together on the second scoring unit. It's notable that Anthony Duclair's name among those three has appeared in numerous trade rumors of late. This guy's got loads of talent and skill. It just hasn't quite reached the targets that I might have expected of him. He's a fourth-year pro and should be getting it by now, so maybe a change of scenery would help him. But the line mates uh, that he's playing with, Christian Dvorak and uh, Ty Domi's boy Max, uh, they, they play junior together, and they appear better suited to growing into leadership roles over here. So I'm thinking those two guys stick around. Maybe Duclair is the guy that gets shipped out of these three, and uh, we'll hope that he has finds greener pastures elsewhere. Well, well they, they may also want to look at, you know, trading uh, Oliver Ackman Larson. I mean, he pointless in his last six, and, you know, he showed some very early promise, um, but the last couple of years his numbers have been down. 
30, you know, 39 points last year. He's got 18 to start the season, so not terrible. But this is a guy that was supposed to be like, you know, Eric Carlson, Brent Burns level kind of producer. Um, and he really hasn't lived up to that. His power play numbers aren't great. Four goals, four assists on the year. Uh, and so, that, you know, there's plenty of teams out there that might be willing to take uh, an, a guy like OEL and maybe bring him into their club, shore up their blue line a little bit. Now, the Yields asking price on Oliver Ackman Larson might price him out of making a deal for him. Um, and certainly I can understand wanting to keep him. Uh, but it's, you know, a lot of teams need defense, and this might be a piece that they can trade away uh, for some significant value on the other end. Over in Boston a couple of weeks ago, I touted Jake DeBrusque as a player to watch here. Well, he's recorded six points over his last six games and is locked into that second-line role at the moment for a Bruins team that's quietly moved into a firm third-place hold in the Atlantic Division. Despite battling a recent upper-body injury of his own, uh, DeBrusque has looked all right, I do think, and he's worth a look in deeper fantasy leagues at the moment. This uh, has more to do uh, with the depth on offense. Their recent success also is helped by Danton Heinen, He's emerged as a productive player with four points of his own in his last four games. So they're getting quality production from guys that we didn't expect at the beginning of the season. Heinen is also pushing for top six minutes in power play time at the moment, too. So good news for the depth on the Boston roster. And uh, a telling tale is in the backup goalie situation where at this time last year, Anton Kudobin was saddled with only one win in about eight starts. But he's really pushing Tuka Rask and goal. He's got seven wins in his last eight decisions uh, this year. Well, uh, another guy that, you know, you talk about the depth on this team, uh, a guy getting a top six role that on the other end kind of confuses me is Anders Bjork. Uh, you know, just one goal uh, in his, you know, last uh, uh, 14, uh, sorry, yeah, 14 games. And so, you know, that's just not enough production for a guy that you're going to put in a top six role. Now, I will point out that in his last game, he saw less than nine minutes of ice time. So clearly they're shuffling their lines out. You know, that second right wing spot is not cemented. Uh, but why he's at least starting games there over David Backus doesn't really make sense to me. Uh, I think this is a flip that needs to be made from the onset of games, not just in the game so that, you know, Bjork's ice time slowly chips away and slowly goes down, but just let Backus start on that second line role. I think it would benefit Backus uh, and Krejci and DeBrusque even. I think uh, both those guys would be better off playing with Backus instead of Bjork. In Buffalo, uh, the bottom seems to have fallen out, AJ, as the Sabres are 2-8-4 and four in their last 14 games. The top two centers, O'Reilly and Eichel, listen to this, they've combined for a minus 27, and their offensive totals are drying up almost completely with a combined four goals over the last 12 games that they've played. That shortfall negates the value of a good face-off man like O'Reilly. Sure, he has a high face-off winning percentage, and that's great, but if you're not generating offense with these solid possession numbers, then something's very wrong over here. Ownership of skill players like Reinhardt and Akpozo are also in decline as a result of the failure of the two pivots here and in goal Robin Leonard has tried to hold the fort but he's facing big shot totals particularly over his last three games we've seen a huge spike as this team defense is looking like it's about to break down completely well a lot of that starts right with their their top guy who's supposed to be you know their biggest key piece on the blue line and that's Rasmus Ristolainen still doesn't have a goal this season now granted his career high for a full season is not nine goals, so he's not going to score every single night. He did have a, a absence due to injury uh, where he missed nine games, but 
just seven assists, only two of those coming on the power play. You know, his numbers really just have not been what we expected. You look at the last two seasons, he's been plus uh, plus 30 assists in both those years. Probably not going to hit that mark this season at, at, at the rate he's going. Now, one guy on the flip side that does continue to excel uh, is Evander Kane. He's got four points in the last four games, 12 shots on goal. This uh, this is a guy that will give you hits too, which is really nice. If you're in one of those leagues to count some of those you know ancillary stats out there, he's got 10 in the last four. And I think the, the more we see Buffalo struggle and the better Evander Kane con- continues to play, we have to assume that he's going to get moved prior to the deadline. Uh, I believe his contract is up after this season uh, or very soon. Uh, and so getting value out of him, I think, is crucial. And I expect Evander Kane to be playing somewhere else uh, once we hit the trade deadline. Yeah, I think that's a big chip that Buffalo really should consider moving the big contract there, too, along with the money that they got tied up with O'Reilly. And, and Eichel will give them little flexibility if they do keep him in the, in the herd right now. In Calgary, NHL teams are always looking for goalie insurance, and the early returns show that the Flames may have un- uncovered a gem in David Riddich, who backstopped a nice win in Montreal last week with a 35-save effort. That's not bad for a guy they signed as an undrafted free agent out of the Czech League two years ago, finally paying a little bit of a dividend. He's also bumped Eddie Lack into the third-string status down there. Eddie Lack's really not gotten untracked out west, and so he's out of a, maybe out of a job if uh, Riddich can hold on to this position. Despite a $4.3 million cap hit, the Flames may also have to consider a lesser role for one Michael Froelich. I didn't like this signing when they made it back then. He's got only two goals in his last seven games, but, but further than that, five tallies in 30 games played this year. Veteran winger Troy Brower, who plays a tougher game than Froelich, is pushing for a bigger role with three points in his last four games and might flip-flop with the current second liner there. Well, I have to get a little bit of payback on you, Paul. You uh, tried to make me eat a little crow on Mike Smith uh, two weeks ago. He uh, has fallen back into, uh, into some of his struggles. Now, what's interesting is I'm sure the home fans are equally as frustrated as I've been with Mike Smith. He's actually just 7-7-0 seven, seven and oh at home with a 3.1 goals against average. That's pretty significant compared to his road record, which is 6-2-2, two two, uh, a 2.06 goals against average. So the home fans are just not seeing uh, the best of what they can get out of Mike Smith. And, you know, that's obviously frustrating for them. Now, you want your team to win regardless of whether it's home and away. So if he's getting you some wins, it's better than nothing. But, um, you know, he's got just a one uh, victory in his last four appearances. Uh, His goals against is up over, you know, 3.4 in those contests. Save percentage is down. So uh, just getting a little payback on you, Paul. You tried to make me say, you know, Mike Smith, uh, that I made the wrong call. But he's proven me right at this point. Well, we'll have to hold that loony in abeyance then until the end of the season there, but I'm confident <laughs> on my side of the equation. In Carolina, with a number of veteran defensemen well off their normal pace, the recent spurt by Noah Hannafin, who has four points in his last seven games, may be an indicator that the recent high first-rounder is almost ready to take his place among the new pack of highly skilled rear guards in the entire league. They need that to happen. Uh, he's, he's a quality player, but they need some of the other support guys to come up bigger than they are on the blue line. Up front, Derek Ryan play, Ryan's playmaking skills have been on display as he's picked up five assists in his last seven games. And he's also leapfrogged over the more highly touted Victor Rask, 
who conversely has to rate as the biggest disappointment on his team so far this year. I had high hopes for him right now. He's playing third-line minutes, AJ. Well, I actually think uh, Tivo Teravainen might challenge for biggest disappointment on the team this season. Uh, he's got no goals in his last 10 games, just five assists to show for it over that stretch. What's concerning most about his, his struggles here is just 20 shots on goal in 10 games. That's just two a game. For a guy that's supposed to be your first-line right winger, you would expect him to be getting the puck on the net way more than that. Now, he does three of those five assists, did come on the power play. He is still getting uh, looks in that role, which is great. But I would really like to see him start firing the puck more, especially when you're in a drought. I think when you're in a goal drought like this, throw everything on net. It's, it's going to take a carom. It's going to bounce off something, uh, especially if you have guys and bodies in front, you know, screening the goaltender. Get, you know, get pucks to the net, especially when you're in a drought. Get that dirty one. We saw Yager uh, score the one off his butt last season to kind of end a drought for him. So, you know, do what you can. Get that dirty one. And then, you know, the rest will come and it, the floodgates will open up. So uh, more shots for, for Teravainen is what I'd like to see going forward. In Chicago, AJ, I've always said you can't teach goal scoring, and I identified Alex Dabrinkat as a possible excellent fit with the Hawks. Now that he's working with Taves and Saad, two of the hardest-working players in the league, he's got an up-close seat to learn what it takes to make the grade at this level. He looks like he's being a good learner right now. He's got four points in his last seven games and is currently second on the club in goals and points for the Hawks. So a uh, good learning curve situation for Dabrinkat. And, and I think if you've got a chance to grab this guy, he's got tons of upside, particularly in this situation. On defense, I see that the Hawks finally got uh, Jordan Osterley into a game. He's getting a good look with alongside Dustin Keith, Duncan Keith, rather, Dustin's brother, I guess, Duncan Keith of the Hawks, <laughs> where he picked up an assist over uh, 20 minutes of work in his first uh, game. That chance came when uh, Cody Franzen was sidelined by an upper body injury. Franzen, for his part, also thrived in that first-line defense pairing. So Keith, a guy that can uh, bring Osterley along, and Osterley might be worth a look in deeper leagues right now if he gets this chance on a long-term basis. Well, yeah, I think Duncan Keith is a guy that can bring pretty much anybody along. I mean... Uh, you know, for their blue line, I think whoever you put with him is going to have a, a shot at making a real impact. I, I do still like the fact that they don't pair him up with Brent Seabrook. I think keeping those guys separated gives you a little more depth. Uh, and then Corey Crawford, just to talk about him since his return from injury, just three goals allowed in two games, uh, both wins. Now, not against quality opponents, so it was against Buffalo and Arizona who are struggling, as we highlighted, uh, but it's good to see Crawford back uh, firing on all cylinders now that he's healthy from, uh, you know, kind of that little bit of a mystery ailment. We never really heard, at least I didn't hear what uh, what it was that uh, landed him on the IR for a few days, but he seems back healthy and performing at his best. When we look at the Colorado Avalanche, I note a team-wide regression, AJ, that has seen this squad slide back to the 500 mark behind a, an avalanche of goals against. You see what I did there? <laughs> <laughs> a rising tide of shots on goal and low save percentage by both goalies has marked this stumble. Offensively, you have to love what you see from Nate McKinnon, who's enjoying a career year again. And I note that his regular running mate, Car uh, Gabriel Landeskog, has notched two points in two games since he came back from his injury. So the top line is 
is doing its thing. On defense, I've been a fan of Eric Johnson for a long while, and he's also on pace for his best season in years. So I'm finding some value on a team that is in regression mode right now, and I wonder if they can, those three guys can hold on and maybe stave off the uh, inevitable slide that we all expect for the Avalanche right now. Yeah, and you have to wonder if Farlamov's struggles might open the door for Bernier to get a few more starts. Now, they are in a back-to-back, so unsurprisingly, Bernier went up against the Penguins last night uh, and got the win. Uh, one goal allowed on, on 40 shots against. Uh, a great outing by, by that team as a whole to really stifle the Penguins' defense. And so if you've got Bernier playing well, you know, I'm certainly not suggesting that we flip who the number one here is, uh, you know, in the Mile High City, but maybe you give Bernier a few extra games every now and then uh, just to give Varlamov some nights off and, and let Bernier kind of, you know, shine a little bit uh, in that role. In Columbus, talking about goalies, Sergei Bobrovsky snapped out of a funk that he saw that saw him surrender 11 goals in th- a three-game span. It's been a long while, so you, so you can say that about him. He shut out the Coyotes his last time out with a 35 set effort in that last start. And I, I also want to hand it to uh, Artemi Panarin, who's emerged as the Jackets' leading score, point getter of late. I thought his product- productivity might drop a little bit after leaving the Hawks, AJ, but he's on fire with 11 points in his last seven games. I also had grown disenchanted with Nick Foligno, but feel better about the things for him since he's been moved back to right wing after filling in at center when they had some injury woes there. He looks much more comfortable on the on the starboard side and has collected two goals in his last five games to boot. This uh, healthy squad looks like it's ready to resume its winning ways. I think Columbus will be heard from in, in uh, the Metropolitan Division before it's over. Well, I'll say what you will about Coach John Tortorella, and, I, and I've, I'm certainly not head of his uh, fan club by any means, but he's willing to make some tough decisions. Now, he benched Cam Atkinson for a game. You know, this is a guy that got 62 points last year for a career high, 53 the year before, uh, but he's got just nine in 25 games this season, hadn't uh, put up a point in six straight games. His minutes had slowly declined as, as that was happening has kind of come off the power play to the point where, you know, Torts decided to bench him for a game. Healthy scratch, you know, as far as we've heard, there's there was no injury there. And so it's it was a strong, uh, a strong statement by the coach there. Now, Atkinson is expected to be back in the lineup tonight against the Oilers. And hopefully, uh, you know, he'll get the message there. For my money, uh, it might not be a bad night to try and use Cam Atkinson in, in your lineups just because I think the 28-year-old will be motivated to prove that he's, uh, you know, the player that everybody thinks he can be. With the Dallas Stars, uh, they had a nice win streak in their conference, but three lopsided losses against top Western Conference foes exposed the Stars as a club that just doesn't have the defensive structure to compete with the big boys in their conference on a regular basis. In terms of individual highlights or lowlights, Radic Faxa has been a nice complement to the top six, providing steady secondary scoring with a shots-on-goal rate that is steadily approaching two per game. And uh, he's playing. His playing time has risen sharply with a steady diet of power play time over the past two weeks. In goal, Carrie Letton has started two and appeared in three games last week, allowing a total of only seven goals against. I know he carries a big cap cap at of five point nine million dollars, but if he continued to string together some quality outings, he might be a marketable guy for a team that's looking to bolster bolster their goaltending situation uh, down the stretch and maybe into the playoffs as some insurance. AJ. Well, I'll touch on that real quick. I mean, there's no way 
that any team is going to take that full cap hit. So if Dallas trades him away, uh, they're obviously going to have to retain some money. Uh, but it's it's definitely a seemingly a viable option. You know they've got Ben Bishop, so no concerns about you know the starting netminder there. Uh, Paul, you hit on some of the highlights. I'll I'll touch on one of the lowlights. Uh, Alexander Radulov just two assists in his last five games. Now, as I highlighted before, uh, you know previously, this is one guy that is still getting shots on net, eighteen in the last five. Uh, but he doesn't offer you a whole lot in terms of hits, blocks. Uh, his power play minutes are still there, so obviously, uh, you know that should hopefully help him get out of this funk a little bit. Uh, but I, I don't like the fact that he's he's struggling as much as he is. It's obviously a concern to the point where they don't have him on the top line with Sagan anymore. They switch that up just to give a different look. Now he's still playing with Jason Spezza, Matias Janmark on the second line right now, but uh, obviously his value drops when you're not playing with Sagan and a boost perhaps to Devin Shore, who is getting a look on that top line right now. Detroit Red Wings' early season bubble was burst by a recent seven-game losing streak, which they finally snapped last week with a nice win. Jimmy Howard's stats took a beating in that slump, though, AJ, and I wonder what he's got left uh, for fantasy owners during the rest of the season. Up front, Thomas Tatar has been an underrated part of this offense, and I note that his shots on goal race on pace with a career year that he had three seasons ago, he notched 29 goals. So amid the rubble that uh, could be the rest of the season for the Detroit Red Wings, keep an eye on Thomas Tatar. He's also a key and regular part of that power play unit, so it could be a sneaky ad uh, in terms of what's going on there with the Red Wings situation. Well, Paul, I know you listened to the pod last week with Joe and I, and this was our, our rant of the week about this goaltending situation, and it continues to be a problem. You know, Howard has played in 13 straight games. Now, that's not all starts. It's not all full games. But this guy is obviously it's not working right now for him, and he needs to get a night off just to get his head right, if anything else. Now, in those 13 games, three, four, and five, five overtime losses, which is astronomical. Now, you'll take the points, obviously. It's better than a regulation loss. But a 3.33 goals against average and .881 save percentage in those outings. Get this guy a night off. Let uh, Mrazek, who's been equally terrible, uh, get shelved for a night just to give your starter uh, a little bit of a break. And I, I just don't understand what the coaching staff here is doing with the net mining situation. I mean, if you really want to give both guys a night off, call somebody up from the miners, let them play in a game. They can't perform any worse than what you've gotten so far. Uh, and so I, I just don't get it. Uh, and obviously it's, you know, a little bit, of, as I like to say, my mini rant for the week. Uh, I, I don't understand what they're doing and, and they need to try something else because clearly it's not working. And speaking of not working, I've been astonished when viewing the Edmonton Oilers from a distance, but I got a closer look at them when they visited Toronto on a rare Sunday night game in our city here. As fast as Connor McDavid skates, and believe me, there's nobody faster I've ever seen. He has become a little bit too predictable. Uh, maybe it's because of the team collective tightness that this team is facing. He was presented with a, a number of great scoring chances, but it seemed like Curtis McElhinney was ready for all of them, waiting for his moves, including a nice poke check that he made as 
McDavid came in and swept from one side of the crease to the other, but couldn't finish the play. That speaks to a collective pressure in my mind that was also evident in a power play that could not produce even with a full two-minute, two-man advantage, AJ. This team is really pressing, and they know they've dug themselves a big hole in the standings. One of their offensive pieces on the brighter side of things is Jujar Kaira, is making his own case for top six minutes, though, with a recent hot streak that includes four goals and two assists. What I like about some of the guys on this offense, they're big, strong guys, and Kyra is another one you can add to this mix. If they can right this ship, this team could scare a lot of people still down the stretch. Well, and I I was questioning the move for Mike Camilleri earlier uh, in the season, uh, but so far, you know, his last four games, he's got a goal, two assists, and so they're getting contributions uh, from different pieces but it's it's just hasn't been enough it's it's weird to see that you know mcdavid yes he had the the pointless game the other night but mcdavid's still putting up decent numbers uh dry saddles numbers are, are down uh compared to last season but a goal and an assist in the last three games it, it's not terrible and and that's kind of what's weird about this team right now is none of their numbers are outright terrible uh, other than perhaps the goaltending situation. Now, obviously, Cam Talbot's out, and, and that's a factor, but Talbot was struggling before he went out. So it's kind of a weird situation that's going on in Edmonton. It's hard to pin down, in my opinion at least, the the core of the problem. And to your point, it could just be the pressure of having underperformed to start to the season, and now it's starting to build because this is supposed to be a team that's right on the cusp of making a deep, deep run in the in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Absolutely agree with that assessment, AJ. In Florida, with Roberto Longo on the shelf, James Reimer has been given the goalie reins here without any real competition for playing time. Came up with a nice win last night. But before you rush out to claim him in your leagues, realize that he struggled mightily, allowing at least three goals against in each of the five prior appearances before last evening's successful uh, game outcome i can't trust him right now uh, if you're looking for positives though uh, look no further than the top line here jonathan huberto is performing at a truly elite level scoring nine points in his last six games in fact his line mates trochik and barkov has also been firing which is a good thing since none of the other units is doing very much at all aj well and they got barkov back last night uh, a brief one game absence that's going to be great for you know fantasy owners and fans alike and they didn't. They didn't ease him back into the game by any means. He averaged over 23 and a half, or saw over 23 minutes of ice time last night. Got that assist on the power play, uh, and so Barkov stepped right back in and seems to be, you know, operating at 100. percent I expect he'll be a 20 goal scorer again this season. Probably can hit that 50 point mark as as he did the last two. Uh, and so I, I like the fact that he's, uh, you know, performing well, and it gives them the ability to move Trocek down into a second-line role and kind of spread the depth out on this team and get scoring from more than one line, which I think has been a problem with this team in the past. They've been a little one-dimensional at times. You know, you got Huberdeau, Barkov, even Bukestad on that top line, and then it gets a little thin at times after that. And so having Trocek on the second line, you know, Redeem Vibrata is still there on the third role. Uh, so definitely some depth guys, some young pieces that are, are seemingly fitting uh, right now. So I, I think this is a dangerous team moving forward that could really compete uh, going the rest of the way. 
In Los Angeles, we used to talk about scoring being a problem there, AJ, but Marion Gabrick has also has come back and notched a pair of two goal games over his last six outing, outings to provide support for the top two productive scoring lines, giving this team even more significant scoring depth than we've seen in years in Los Angeles. Uh, for his part, Gabrick's average, averaging over two shots on goal per game played and is a regular part of the power play rotation. Also, Nick Shore has seen a higher profile with Pearson and Toffoli joining him in that second-line situation. The real irony here is that their scoring rate is up despite missing their top trigger man, Jeff Carter, who's still on the shelf for a while. It certainly helped them that Dustin Brown is foremost among those who've picked up the slack from the beginning of the season, and they've kept right on going. So a good story being written here with the offense that was unexpected, and L.A. is in the thick of it as a result. One, they're also not having to score uh, astronomical numbers, even though they have been. Uh, Quick has not allowed more than two goals uh, in a game since November 19th uh, when he gave up three. Six wins in a row. Uh, all uh, minimal shots, honestly, in these. Uh, you know, Five of those last six games uh, faced less than 30 shots on goal, so his teammates are helping him out in that, in that sense. But he's performing well in the opportunities given. Uh, and so... You, they've got solid net mining. They're limiting shots, and they've found an offense that nobody thought they had. Uh, it, it seems to all be clicking right now for this team. Hopefully, they can sustain it for a while. Quick does have a tendency to be a little streaky. You know, this six uh, six win streak comes immediately following a six loss streak, uh, and so he has clearly turned you know flipped the switch here uh, and turned the corner. But how long it lasts, I think, will be interesting to see. Uh, In Minnesota, I want to recognize Michael Granlund, AJ. He's been the club leading scorer for the last season and missed a significant time at the start of this season. For those poolies who forgot and ignored him in that absence, he's now got 19 points in 24 games played and has firmly returned to his top form and his key role as a top six forward here. I've been waiting on Nino Niederreiter similarly to explode offensively and we might finally be seeing that as the big fast skating winger has eight goals in his last 12 games. Well, we talked earlier in the season about Chris Stewart and it keeps getting worse and worse for him. He's not even in the lineup at this point. In fact, on uh, on Sunday, he was a healthy scratch uh, watch from the press box instead. So how the mighty have fallen with, with this guy who started off you know, very hot, hot to, to begin the season, eight points in the first six games, then has just hit the skids a mere two points in the last 21 games after that fast start, which should, you know, come as no surprise for why uh, he's found himself on the outside looking in. And one player that's also kind of contributed to that, even though he's not on the score sheet, this club seems to love Joel Erickson Eck. Uh, you know, no points for him of late, uh, a similar dry spell. In fact, 14 games without a single point, but the team wants to develop him and they're giving him a role. And, you know, you look at the numbers then you got Coyle, Granlin, Eck. There just not, doesn't seem to be a spot for Chris Stewart anymore, especially when he's underperforming the way he is. 
AJ in Montreal, the Canadians have been waiting for Alex Elchenyuk to find his groove, and it appears that he's another guy who's finally got it going with nine points in his last eight games, a streak that has seen him move back onto the top line working with Jonathan Drouin and Andrew Shaw. That can be an interesting mix because they got all the elements that you like to see, a sniper, a playmaker, and a uh, physical guy. Maybe the trade rumors around him will finally go away. Drouin, for his part, was rounding into form with four points in a three-game stretch before missing 11 days, and he returned to the lineup last Saturday. I'm not sold, sold on this guy's durability at all. This is uh, a case in point. They uh, also have to worry about the fact that the invincible Carey Price has surrendered 11 goals in his last three appearances. Things are not good in Montreal right now. Yeah, and I'm sure you're really uh, heartbroken over that, too. Tears are flowing, man. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, I really don't want to belabor this point, but there's definite concerns if Carey Price is underperforming. Uh, with the backup situation there. Now, to be uh, fair to Price, he has played in eight straight uh, games, including going both ends of a back-to-back in, in late November. And so it might be time to give him a rest. You know, you obviously saw something in Niemi to bring him in off of waivers. And so I think it might be time to give him a start there in Montreal just to, you know, if nothing else, to give Carey Price the night off. Uh, Al Montoya is still out. Uh, no real indicator of when he might be back as far as I've seen. Uh, you're a little closer up there in Canada, Paul. I'm not sure if you've seen anything, but no indications uh, from my end. So uh, I really just think it comes to you know let, let Price have a night off, let him get back to where he's at. I, I don't think it's going to be uh, too long before he starts winning some games for them again. Uh, but obviously, as we've seen for years, this team, uh, their success is completely tied to Carey Price. When he was out for the year, they were terrible, and nothing has changed, apparently, uh, in Montreal. Exactly. In Nashville, we talked of the nice depth at center here since they picked up Kyle Torres. He's gotten 13 points in 14 games for the new club, but Ryan Johansson's been recently sidelined since December 2nd with an upper body injury. His return should occur later this week, and the hope is that he can pick up on his own scoring binge of six points in the eight games that preceded his uh, being sidelined. Uh, A while back, I cited Craig Smith as a winger who could benefit from this one-two punch at center, and this guy's had four multi-point outings in addition to some other scoring that's gone on for him in the last 13 games. He's on pace for a career high in goal scoring at a 30-goal clip that no one forecasted. In goal, Pekka Rene's back among the elite goalies in the league with 11 wins in his last 14 starts. He's also facing less rubber than he used to be, I guess, because there's more balance up front. That helps, and uh, there's more assistance coming around the corner as Ryan Ellis has started skating with the club and is eyeing a January return. It's all coming together in Music City, and that's bad news for the rest of the Western Conference. Yeah, now I do have some concerns about the, the about Kyle Terrace, uh, you know, immediate concerns. They didn't have an update after he took a puck up high uh, yesterday at practice. Hopefully he's all right uh, and that they'll be able to, to update that. But if they can get Johansson back uh, and, you know, kind of flop Johansson for Terrace kind of short term, uh, you know, they'll be fine. Uh, there's This team has just so much depth at, at every position. It's really hard to pick a spot where, you know, they're weaker uh, you know, you look at the second pairing of Alexi Emlin and P.K. Subban, that's a first pairing on a lot of teams in the league. Um, and even Anthony Beto and Yannick Weber as, as a third group, probably, you know, maybe challenging for, for second pairing 
uh, roles for both those guys at, at, at almost any other club. So, uh, you know, and the same can be said on the other side. You've got Victor Arvidsson, Philip Forsberg slotted in in third line roles. Uh, Austin Watson is a depth player who can add some value uh, to this team and to fantasy rosters. I think now he's not going to blow the doors off. But if you're in a deeper format and need a guy uh, who can chip in here or there, you know, that's one to target. And so it's just there's no real weak spots with this team. In New Jersey, Marcus Johansson scored two points in five games since his return from a long injury absence. I expect this guy to be a factor here. He uh, hurt his ankle, though, while blocking a shot on the weekend. Is considered day-to-day again. When healthy, though, he's a lock for top six uh, playing time and power play time. All that is a risky play, though, given his current status. So keep an eye on that with our updates at Rotowire. For those of you who expected Sammy Vatman to be an offensive catalyst on this blue line, he's been blanked in his first line five games with his new team. That goes hand in glove with a decline that we noticed last season for this uh, rear guard. He's one of three defenders who's also seeing a pretty equal share of power play time. I'd lean on Will Butcher of the, that trio. He's got 10 assists and by far the most productive uh, defenseman on the special teams for the uh, Devils right now. Well, while there is production on the blue line, one guy that hasn't been producing is Nico Herzer, which I think is a little bit of a surprise. You know, there's there shouldn't be at least any pressure on him. Uh, this team is, has exceeded expectations out, out the gates here. Uh, but he's got just two assists in his last five games. Uh, you know, again, shots on goal is just seven over that stretch. Uh, his minutes are are pretty low, relatively speaking, for a top line center. You know, just uh, just around the 16 minute mark for the season, uh, and and that's you know, you look at some of the other top line centers in the league, you're going to see that creeping towards that 20 mark. And obviously, they're trying to insulate him and not put, you know, uh, all the weight of, you know, the team's success on him. But for how highly touted he was and how successful he was uh, in the junior ranks, I'm really surprised to see that, you know, he is kind of struggling to adjust to this NHL game. With the Islanders, we know this team can score, AJ, but their challenge is can they keep the goals against down? That will be more of an issue right now because they're without Thomas Hickey and have been without Johnny Boychuk for the past three games. He's hopeful of a return later this week, at least. Uh, The other challenge is that both goalies have seen save percentages right around the 900 mark, and that's nowhere near good enough in this league. Neither is their 30th-ranked power uh, penalty-killing record, rather. On the plus side, though, they've clearly uncovered their number two center, as Matthew Barzal's got 28 points in 29 games, along with a bevy of highlight reel plays. I hope you've had a chance to see this guy in action, AJ, because he's breathtaking with the way he can... uh, cut and turn and swivel uh really a a solid skater and he's got a bag full of tricks too yeah i i definitely agree with that i i think uh heading into the season we talked about depth being a concern um you know is was there anything else on this team other than john john tavares you know everly uh, is getting second second line minutes because Josh Bailey's uh, excelled. Anders Lee continues to do well. Those guys are getting you know the clear Tavares effect, uh, and so to have some depth uh, for this team is really helping them out. Uh, the goaltending situation is is a unique one in, in that it seems like uh, Doug Waite is just going to ride the the goalie who's winning until he doesn't win, and then. 
you know, flip to the other guy and kind of go back and forth. It doesn't seem like there's really a, a, a predetermined plan, a predetermined starter. It's just kind of a, a what for you, what have you done for me lately kind of situation. Uh, I, I think Halak is ultimately, if you had to pick a number one on this team, I think you'd give it to Halak. But if he struggles in a game or two, uh, this is going to quickly flip to Thomas Rice. And so this is one, if you've got either of these guys on your fantasy team, you need to be on top of what's going on there and know when that flip or flop is going to change because we've seen it at multiple points throughout the season so far. Yeah, it seems like they want to go with the hot hand, but uh, when both of them are cold, it's a real coin flip. And so it behooves everybody to keep an eye on our roster updates and the starting goalie grids. In New York, Michael Grabner, uh, with 14 goals and only two assists, has the Cy Young line of the season so far in the hockey uh, world. That speaks to holes in his game that I've identified in the past. Ditto for uh, Kevin Shattenkirk with his 20 points and a minus four plus minus on the blue line. Those numbers are symptomatic of a club that is a notch below a few of the elite teams in the league. They appear to be what they've always been, though, AJ, with an elite goalie who have, will have a decent regular season record, but they have holes like no true number one center on this roster, particularly as Mika Zibanejad is currently sidelined. That means that David Dayarnay is thrust into that top pivot role on the interim, and that's simply not going to be a good long-term plan. Absolutely agree with that assessment. Uh, I do think they've uh, seen something that, that could indicate long-term success in Boo Neves, uh, who's got three points in his last five games. Uh, he seems to be uh, slotting in well. Now, it's a fourth-line role, but I think long-term it, it might turn into something more. Uh, and he's getting a look solely because Zabinajad has been out. Uh, another interesting situation that I think we really need to touch on just because you don't hear from it too often, the the whole Kevin Shattenkirk situation uh, with, with the coach in, uh, in Washington, uh, call it, basically calling out a player on another team that, you know, hey, we brought him in to be kind of a one-two, and he's not that good. I mean, that's for for lack of a better way to describe it. Uh, that's that's kind of what the coach said. Now, obviously, I'm paraphrasing it a little bit. So I was a little surprised to see Shattenkirk put up zeros uh, against Washington that night. I would have expected him to be firing on all cylinders, especially you know a minus three that night, just three shots on goal, one hit. If nothing else, right, go out there and throw your body around uh, just to get back at, you know, the the opposing side. So I was surprised at how flat he came out uh, in that game, given given what was said ahead of time. Yeah, he was really exposed. We, we talked about that right back to the playoffs last year. So comes as no shock to me. Uh, there's something missing below the uh, chest plate, I think, there on, on that player. Uh, in Ottawa, things are coming unglued, if you believe some of the storylines in the Canadian capital city. Their signature player, Eric Carlson, is also making noises about his upcoming contract renewal and the fact that he won't be looking to agree to a hometown discount to re-sign with the Senators. This is a team that is not normally spent to the max end of the salary cap, so that could be a bit of an issue. In addition, they already have two long-term deals with Dion Phaneuf and Bobby Ryan, those are two uh, burdensome deals, given the respective profiles of these guys that are in decline on the club. Throw in the fact that there's also been some regression in the play of Craig Anderson in goal, and the grass doesn't look very green right here, as it did last year's playoff run. Oh, and did I mention that the much sought after Matt Duchesne is on a 40 game, 40 point scoring pace this year? year? That's not good enough for a number one center, AJ. Absolutely not. Uh, what? 
what is most shocking, I think, for me, of everything that you highlighted is, is Craig Anderson's performance. Uh, you know, he's winless in his last nine games, uh, gave up, you know, a .896 save percentage, uh, 26 goals allowed over that stretch. Uh, now, it obviously can't all fall on him. Against San Jose uh, over the weekend, he faced 50 shots. I mean, that is that is an astronomical number. Uh, and allowed five on goal. I mean, the save percentage, you know, a, nine, a 90 save percentage, that's actually not awful. Uh, you obviously want better from a starting netminder. But to face 50 shots, I mean, that falls, uh, you know, on the rest of the team. You can't let that happen to your goaltender. Uh, and I actually want to credit Eric Carlson for what he said. You know, and, and I agree, and I'm certainly guilty of this, that as, as a fan of the team, you look at your players and you say, oh, well, they should want to stay here and play for my team and, and the hometown discount. And, it, you know, especially being a team that's won, uh, you know, the cup the last couple of years. You know, I've said this about other players where, well, why didn't they stay? Because here they can win, whereas where they went, they probably won't win. Uh, and so I credit him for, for calling all of us out, myself included, on not giving players the ability to make business decisions uh, when it's about themselves. But we all get behind our team when they trade away that player who's going to be a free agent or they don't re-sign a guy for business decisions. Uh, and so I think all of us need to maybe take a look at our fandom in, in that sense and give the players the ability to be human beings who are going to make business decisions. Uh, all that to say, I'd be shocked if Eric Carlson re-signs uh, with this team given all the contract uh, issues that you just highlighted. Well, I've had to sit back in my chair and absorb that. AJ, that was very well said and a, a different perspective that you don't hear too often. So good on you for bringing that out. In Philadelphia, it's been a long time since goal scoring was an issue here and similarly a long time when goalies were a strong point for the Flyers. If you're a Seinfeld guy, you'll get the reference that I'm about to make. It's bizarro world in Philadelphia, <laughs> AJ. Outside of the top scoring line, the rest of the roster has produced a paltry 1.72 goals per game year to date. A once potent power play has only 19 goals and ranks in the bottom half of the league in that efficiency. Nolan Patrick, the second overall draft pick, has shown very little for them with only six points in 20 games played and uh, but in goal the much maligned duo of Elliot and Neuwirth has put up very solid numbers across the board the skeptic in me still doesn't want to be invested in that tandem though am I out to lunch here no I I, I think Brian Elliot uh has shown this in years past I mean is is capable of getting wins getting on hot streaks but you look at his you know career when he was with St. Louis, uh, you know, Ottawa before that, uh, the, the stop in Calgary last year, he's never reached the 30 win mark at any point in his career. Uh, he, you know, he got to 29 once. Um, but other than that, just hasn't been able to ever really string together, uh, consistent success. Now, the other thing that concerns me overall is the 2.79 goals against average for the season. That's higher than he's had since he was with Ottawa in 2010-11. Uh, so all those years in, in St. Louis, his goals against average was well below that, and he still didn't reach that 30-win mark. Now it's crept up. 
approaching the three mark. Uh, and so I am with you, Paul. I don't think uh, just because he has a three-game win streak, I'm I'm not buying in on Brian Elliott at this point. And Michael Newberth is on IR, and I've never been, as I've said repeatedly, never been a fan of his game. So even when he comes back, I don't think he's the answer either. Up next, we talk about the Penguins. Oh, boy, I, I enjoyed the leap visit to your team's home on Saturday. <laughs> Have I mentioned that, that yet on this program? That's one I don't know me. if you did. I, I, just <laughs> refresh my memory. How did that game go? <laughs> I had to laugh a bit, though, during the course of that contest when I noticed a couple of Kessel tantrums reminiscent of last year's playoffs. Boy, when the puck's not going in for this guy, he is one unhappy chappy. Uh, on the positive side, though, Ryan Riley Sheehan, we both loved this addition when, when he came uh, to the Penguins. He seems to have found a home anchoring that third line and working well with Patrick Hornquist. They seem to be bringing out the best in each other and really providing some solid secondary scoring. I want to know from you, though, what, what you have might have to say about Dominic Simone, the third member of that line. It's a very interesting trio and one that really provides the Penguins with almost an unmatched depth around the league. They've managed also to survive quite nicely in Matt Murray's absence and expect to get him back later in the week, too, don't they? Yeah, uh, to, 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 to your point about Simon, uh, what I like is... It's a, it's a recipe that has worked for the Penguins in the past. Uh, you know, a, a speedy guy. Uh, you know, you look at Connor Sheary, Jake Gunsell, Brian Russ. They intersperse these speedy guys throughout their lineup. And he's with two guys that really know how to work uh, to get into the, the, the dirty areas, win puck battles, get to the front of the net. Uh, and so you add a little bit of speed element to that line. And, and I do really think it, it, it becomes a very dangerous you know, depth option, even looking at the fourth line with Carl Hagelin down there, uh, he's, you know, one of the fastest guys in the league playing with Carter Rowney and, and Ryan Reeves, who's obviously more of a bruiser, but that line starts to even have some of those elements of, you know, you've got your tough guy, you know, you've got your speedy guy. Uh, and so I, I think it's actually a good move. Now, how long they keep him, I don't know. I know the, they really like, uh, Tom Kunako. So when he's healthy, They'll probably send Simon back to the minors. Uh, and then, yeah, Matt Murray, uh, the, the, all indications are that he is going to be ready to go for this matchup on Thursday uh, with Marc-Andre Fleury, who's also back. Uh, this is a, a, a date that's been circled on, I'm sure, both of their calendars for a long time. Uh, a lot was talked about about their great friendship uh, and partnership when they were here, uh, both here uh, on the team. You don't often see that when you have a youngster coming in, kind of pushing out uh, the older vet. Sometimes there's some hard feelings. There's there's some uh, animosity there. But all, all reports are that these guys got along great, and you know they're going to want to perform and go head-to-head against each other. Um, I, I am hesitant uh, to use any Penguins in that game. I think Marc-Andre Fleury is going to be really motivated uh, and excited to go up against his former team, and not from a malicious way. Just I, I think he wants to go out there and potentially try and blank them. Uh, I would be very hesitant to use any Penguins on Thursday in your daily lineups. I think i got to send a box of Kleenex your way before that game, AJ. I, I think <laughs> yeah. it's going to be an emotional <laughs> night for you. Uh, in San Jose, Brett Burns and Joe Thornton led this club in scoring last week. It's not 2012, folks. It's 2018, and they're proving that they're still very capable offensive catalysts. At least finally they're showing that. In the case of Big Joe, it's a bonus, but in Burns' case, it's a relief. I said a couple of weeks ago that his shots on goal rate was on par with career norms. 
and that he would start scoring very soon. Well, he got three goals and three assists last week while pouring an incredible 22 shots on goal in those three games. Up front, Melker Carlson Carlson added two goals last week and now finds himself getting first-line minutes ahead of Timo Meyer. So that's a roster shuffle that that should uh, juice Melker Carlson's ownership going forward if he holds on to that spot. Well, another another concern concern for me here has to be the the injury situation with Paul Martin. Uh, You know, the ankle was supposedly bothering him heading into the season. Uh, He tried to, you know, kind of play through it. Uh, played two games right right out the gates that was sidelined uh, ever since looked like you know all the talk was that he was back uh, to 100 percent played against Carolina clearly you know whether whether it is actually the ankle still or whether um, you know it's just from having sat for 24 straight games uh, he's down in the minors right now in a conditioning stint uh, I really have to question the long-term outlook you know he's 36 years old and you know he's he's not he's not a point scorer. Um, that's never really been his mo. Twenty a season is is probably about his max. Obviously, this year I'd be surprised if he hit fifteen at, at, at this rate, considering he's played in just three games. Uh, and what's interesting is the fact that somehow you know uh, it seemed to have affected Brett Burns at the start of the season. Now he appears, as you said, to have shaken the cobwebs out there uh, and got back on track. You know, six points in his last three games, uh, and that's still without Martin. But uh, I have to wonder what the long-term outlook is for Paul Martin at this point in his career. In St. Louis, the Blues have lost Jaden Schwartz for the next weeks, six weeks due to a broken ankle. That's a huge blow to this team. Some roster shuffling will be necessitated, and it looks like Vladimir Sabatka is going to get a shot, the first shot at filling in on the top line at left wing. Alex Steen will move into the second line left wing role after that. Payarvi gets a shot at redemption, but he's been a big fat zero again this season. Things uh, are equally thin on the right side as a result of some of the shuffling that's gone on. I'll be looking for Dimitri Jaskin to take up some of the slack. He's been on a bit of a roll lately with three points in his last four games and a corresponding increase in ice, ice time during that spurt. So he might be a guy that's looking to fill some of that offensive shortfall that they'll see for a while with Jaden Schwartz on the sideline. Yeah, and let's not forget this team lost Robbie Fabry at the start of the year as well. Um, so they're already without a player who, in my opinion, is is a top six option for them on the wing. Uh, so you you know you take Jordan Schwartz out, it really does start to get thin uh, on the on the wing on, on both sides of the the wing there. And then uh, we have to obviously talk about it, it should be a minor issue because he is a backup, but Carter Hutton being injured. Obviously a concern, uh, you know, if they want to, you know, give Jake Allen a night off, they're going to have to go with Billy Huso. Uh, I don't expect they will give too many nights off. In fact, they played Hutton in the back-to-back over the weekend. He's on a four-game win streak right now. Uh, eventually, they're going to need to give him a night off, but I wouldn't expect that to happen anytime soon. Uh, and so long-term, with that Hutton injury, I think what it means is they're going to really ride Jake Allen for a while here. AJ, I don't know what it is with some of the top defensemen in the league, but uh, in Tampa, okay, they boast the be- league's best record, but they aren't without 
their concerns. Their top guy, Victor Hedman, has been pointless in his last seven games, and he's killing my, one of my teams too, AJ, I've got to say, despite the fact he's averaging over 26 minutes a game with loads of power play time obviously included. I'm saying, though, don't bail on him. He'll catch fire just like Burns did recently. On the plus side, Tyler Johnson, who uh, has been maligned a little bit in this corner for underperforming, he's finally broken out with nine points in his last seven games, and seeing his minutes rise by two uh, per game, he's up over 17 minutes a game right now. Following a four-game pointless slide, Braden Point's got five points in his last four games. They've moved, both moved up into second-line minutes with Andre Palat. The guy who's paid for this is uh, Yanni Gourd. He's been dropped to a third-line role, conversely. Well, well Paul, I, I want, want to talk, talk a little, little more about, about what you pointed out there with, with Hedman. Um, you know, it used to be you had these three elite guys in Hedman, Carlson, and Burns, and then basically the rest – of the league on defense, and that has really changed. Now, right now, it's John Klingberg uh, leading the, the league in blue line scoring with 25 points, but there's uh, 11 guys all at 20 or more, so within that five, you know, that five range, and none of them are the guys that we just highlighted. Right. You know, Hedman, Burns, uh, and Carlson are all outside of that kind of top group there, and so we're seeing some different names. I think it's interesting that Mikhail Sergachev, who's on Tampa Bay, is one of those guys that's up there. Uh, so he's, you know, uh, kind of stepping up. And I don't know if that's uh, freeing Hedman up to play a little different style of game. I, I admittedly haven't watched none of, of their games to see, but I find it interesting that we have a more uh, even uh, grouping of defensemen. And it does, I think, make it harder for our da- the daily players out there to really key in on who's worth paying those price tags. You know, I think those three guys are probably overvalued at this point, considering uh, the level of production that they've put in. You know, we talked about Burns uh, starting to heat up, so maybe he's still worth it. Uh, But it is a very interesting change from what we've seen in years past. You know what, a key point made by you, and I'll, I'll echo my sentiments and chime in on what I'm looking for in terms of daily play, given the fact that these guys aren't standouts right now. I go with one of my uh, go-to options is who's hot right now and, and are they playing the second of back-to-backs? That might discount some of the values of some of the top defenders. So really look for the hot stick and, and make sure they're power, playing power play time and up over 20 minutes a game, and that should make your case. And it's also an opportunity to save some dollars because you mentioned the three guys that are elite. They'll, they'll always be ahead of the pack until they adjust the pricing over there at FanDuel to reflect what they've done this season. But there's a lot of guys that you can put a, a flag over or a blanket over that are all in the same group. Make sure you got the hot stick in your lineup. It's time to talk about my favorite club, AJ. Since November the 1st, Leaf goalies have had a league-best 9.33 save percentage. That's got as much to do with the volume of shots they're giving up as the fact that both goalies are playing very solidly. Curtis McElhenney was really on fire on Sunday night, but he also got the help from the goalposts. I think there were four of them that rang like the bells of St. Mary's behind him in that <laughs> shutout performance to giving uh, Freddie Anderson a break in the nets. That needs to happen more often in the second half, though, seeing McElhenney get in there. Uh, I'd like to see Anderson get rested because right now he's leading the league in terms of minutes played in, among goalies. And, of course, up front, uh, we got to talk about Austin Matthews. Uh, skated into a big collision with teammate, uh, teammate Morgan Riley on Saturday in the waning moments of that game. And he may be dealing with a minor concussion right now. There's not much being said about this, but he did miss the last game. And uh, his status tonight is iffy, so check back with us later because we don't know at the moment unless you've got something that... While I've been talking here, AJ, on Matthews, I'm not sure why, but uh, William Carlson's minutes are still being limited. He uh, did replace 
Matthews on the big line on Sunday, but he only got a total of 14 minutes of ice time. Uh, I think he he might be the guy that just uh, the coach just wants to see a little bit more out of before he gives him more of this playing time. Uh, he only got a minor reprieve with the Matthews absence. I wonder if Matthews come back if he's relegated to that fourth line role. So keep an eye on what they do with Willie uh, Willie Car- uh, Carlson here because he uh, Willie Nylander rather because he is a guy that. Uh, he can be a big shooter for this team and he's going to break out sooner or later i've been saying the same thing about mitch marner it hasn't happened yet but he too has been piling up assists for his point of view and uh, maybe this is going to be a thing that's going to be uh, talked about at contract time it's going to be interesting how they treat these kids down the road yeah there's definitely uh some you know we could probably do a whole podcast just on the Leafs contract oh, situation that's a good idea. <laughs> uh, yeah i'm sure you'd love that uh, but i i do think uh, you make uh, an interesting point. You know, one guy that I, I would expect that they would want to step up more than he has with, with Matthews out is Patrick Marlowe. He's got uh, no points in the last four games, uh, still getting uh, pretty significant ice time, 1750 roughly, uh, and, you know, playing on the power play as well. But for for what he's supposed to offer, now I know you're not getting like, you know, 26-year-old prime uh, Patrick Marlowe here. But even at 38, he's still, in my opinion, an elite-level talent. Gives you consistency. Hasn't missed a game in, in forever. Uh, and so I, I think Marlowe uh, is one guy that they'll hope can maybe step up in, in Matthew's absence and, and kind of carry this team, depending on how long he's going to be out. And I certainly agree with your point about giving Freddie Anderson some rest you know, in his limited outings, uh, Curtis McElhaney hasn't been bad. Uh, three wins, two losses, but only five appearances. That's that's really the sh- the shocking number here uh, that he hasn't played more. Uh, and I do think if they want to make a run, you can't. We've seen this with other teams in the past. You can't overwork your goalie. I mean, Cam Talbot looked just beat by the time the postseason came around, and I think it honestly carried over into this season when he played. Uh, you know, 70 some games last year. So uh, I really think they need to give Curtis McElhinney a little more work uh, and give Freddie Anderson uh, some rest. Yeah, well said. I hope they're listening down there at the Air Canada Centre. In Vancouver, the injury bug has hit with a vengeance here as Sven Berchi is out with a broken jaw and Bo Horvat has a leg injury. They both could be out for four to six weeks. On the plus side, Erica Branson will soon return to solidify the blue line and give them a healthy compliment back there. The guy that could capitalize up front is Brendan Sutter. He's about a week away from coming out of the infirmary and may get an immediate shot at top six minutes, something that he's never seen before, but by default is going to get that opportunity. It's a case of everybody moving up one notch to take up the slack up here on offense. A time for the Sedin to lead the attack, just as they've done throughout their careers until this season. Uh, they need to get a uh, bolt of lightning into both those guys to get them back into form that they showed five, four or five years ago. They're really under those elite levels, and who can blame them? They're getting on in years, but right now they need to step to the fore. Yeah, I'm really uh, kind of excited to see how Brock Boser can complement those guys. Uh, he's got three goals in his last three games. Uh, obviously, as you said, his previous line mates, it, it was Berchi, Horvat, and Boser all in one line. Those two guys are out. Obviously, Berchi will be placed on IR here at some point uh, in the near future. Uh, and so I'm interested to see how the Sedins uh, pair up with, with a younger player. I mean, 
Earlier in the season, they tried Thomas Vanek on that line. He's 33. They've tried Louis Erickson up there. He's 32. Uh, this is really, you know, in my opinion, the first time they're giving hit them, uh, given the Twins, a young kind of elite talent. Now, Jake Vertanen played with them for a little bit, um, but he hasn't really stepped into his game quite yet. Uh, you know, he's got just seven points in, in uh, 26 or 27 games this year. And so I'm interested to see how this works out. I, I, it's a compelling uh, tandem or, or third guy to go with that tandem, and we'll see how it works for him. In Vegas, you touched on the mer- uh, goalie merry-go-round, finally welcoming back the preordained starter as Marc-Andre Fleury slated to play uh, tonight and later this week as well. The Knights haven't missed a beat without him, though. Subban certainly distinguished himself in the interim and has a strong hold in the backup role for now. Up front, Eric Halla has assumed the first-line uh, center role, collecting eight points in his last nine games. Conversely, Cody Eakin fell out of that role and has seen his minutes reduced as the th- new third-line center. I've also been expecting Colin Miller to emerge on this defense, and that may be happening right now as he has four points in his last five games. He's become their top offensive blue liner, and finally it's very apparent that that is the case. Yeah, and we, we talked preseason about the offensive talent uh, that they were able to compile. They got David Perron back from you know a brief, uh, relatively brief, six-game injury uh, stint. He's got three points in those two games back. And that's got Perron, Halla, and James Neal on that top line. That's a really dangerous group. You look at the third line, uh, Brendan Leipzig, not really the, the go-to guy there. He, he doesn't have any goals but 10 assists. And a lot of that, I think, comes from playing with a guy uh, like Cody Eakin and Alex Duke, who's been a little bit of a surprise this season. Uh, the 21-year-old's got five points in the last five games. He's been streaky, which you expect from a rookie Um from time to time. So uh, I do think this team has seen these veterans that they brought in, like Perron and Neil, uh, excel in ways that they can and have shown in the past. And then there's some younger guys who have stepped up, which has all contributed uh, to make this team really dangerous without its elite level netminder. Uh, and I will continue to say that Marc Andre Fleury is elite. You won't convince me of that otherwise. Uh, and so now that they've got him back, uh, it's it, an already uh, successful team could have just gotten that much better and probably is going to start challenging the Kings uh, for the Pacific Division title. All right. Well, my partner puts on his Marc-Andre Fleury uh, pajamas. <laughs> I'm going to talk about the Washington Caps. Another guy who seems an unlikely fit on the top forward lines is Tom Wilson, who has shed a fourth line role for good it appears as he's now in a career best pace that would produce 45 points that's almost twice as much as his previous best he's now on the big line with Backstrom and Ovechkin this move was necessitated by the upper body injury that sidelined TJ Osi a while back another tough guy Alex Chason has been moved to the second line too but he's not developed delivered any offense at all that should send a message to management that this team needs to add a piece or two up front if they're serious about another playoff run uh, they've disappointed for years and uh, they may be in line for another shortfall they are similarly vulnerable on the vulnerable on the blue line if john carl with john carlson and matt niskan and the only go-to guys that produce any offense there's four more defensive-minded guys there so really washington will be a team that i'll be watching at the trade deadline to see if they bolster up front on the blue line here yeah the the only interesting thing to me is what they would give up uh to kind of bolster that uh you know this this club 
has been in such a win now mode for so long with Alexander Ovechkin uh, that their their depth their uh, their AHL affiliate is, hasn't historically been the strongest. I admittedly haven't checked up on them recently, um, but the you know the moves that they've made, uh, they've liked bringing in free agents uh, periodically. Uh, you know they they traded for Kevin Shattenkirk last year. They signed T.J. Oshie. Um, it's not really a, as far as what they've shown recently. It's not really a draft and develop uh, system. So. I'm not sure that they have the pieces necessary to trade for for some additional depth to kind of improve this team. Now, end of the day, Alexander Ovechkin up front, Braden Holpe in goal. This is going to be a playoff team. Uh, Regardless, just those two alone will will that into happening. Uh, But whether they can get over the hump and make it, you know, to even an Eastern Conference final, I think would probably be a little bit of a stretch at this point. And finally, the Winnipeg Jets, one of the league's defense offenses, continues to chug along with many alteration, without many alterations in the recent weeks to their four forward lines. Super sophomore Patrick Laine is pacing the attack right now with nine points in his last five games. We expect that production regularly from him. But third and fourth liners like Kopp, Tanev, and Perot have also chipped in consistently, making this one of the best teams so far in the NHL. They face their first serious challenge with long-term injuries that'll sideline Enstrom and Buffalo on the blue line. There's been some slippage on team defense even before those guys went down. They surrounded 15 goals in the last three games, so this should be a real focal point in the next few weeks that we'll be keeping an eye on, AJ. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point, Paul. Uh, the Those injuries, how they impact Connor Hellebuck, who's been having thus far really a breakout, uh, breakout season, uh, is definitely something to be tracked. Uh, Steve Mason is off IR uh, and so they could maybe, uh, you know, give uh, Connor uh, a little bit of a break. They've been riding him pretty heavily uh, with with Mason out. And so it'll be interesting how that shakes up. I don't have a ton of concerns about Tucker Pullman. Now, his game's been uh, – what I've seen of his game has been pretty limited. Uh, but this club's very high on him. I don't think it'll be too long before he secures a permanent role uh, with the Jets on that blue line. When that happens, I think remains to be seen. Uh, but the the forward depth on this team is just uh, ridiculous. Uh, I don't I don't know that I th- that there's another club that's quite as deep. When you have a guy like Matthew Perot who's on the fourth line but plays on the power play, uh, and so maybe if if Bufflin's out long term and Enstrom's still out as well. Maybe they feel like they need to bring in an additional defenseman to try and shore things up there. They've got the forward depth to make a move like that. Uh, I think it's too early. Uh, I wouldn't do it personally if I were running the club, but uh, there are pieces there that they could make uh, some sort of deal with. Yeah, AJ, that's our third look at 31 teams. Now let's give a nod to our friends at FanDuel by reminding our listeners that fantasy football is around, still around, for, and it's getting heated up with uh, the stretch run for everyday fans. There's new contests starting every week, though. There's no busted seasons. Something for everyone. There's lots of contests to choose from starting at just a dollar. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score in real time. Now, in this past week, I got ousted in our Rotowire Vegas League by our president, Peter Schenke, and his squad, he had a great performance for his quarterback. My quarterback, Tom Brady, let me down big time last night. 
in terms of that possibility. The playoff races are heating up for our favorite teams, though. The Cowboys and Packers did what they had to do to stay in contention with wins over the lowly Giants and Browns, though Green Bay was very fortunate, in my opinion, to get the W. AJ, you might want to chime in on that. The best, the best game of the weekend was a real slugfest between two arch rivals, the Steelers and Ravens, with Pittsburgh eking out a division-clinching win in a game where Ben, big Ben Roethlisberger threw 500 for 500 yards for the third time in his career. That was Peter's quarterback, incidentally. The, he's the <laughs> only quarterback in history who can make that claim with the three 500-yard passing efforts. The biggest news on the weekend is the injury to Carson Wentz in Philadelphia. He may be lost for the season with a torn ACL. That's a devastating blow that really opens things up in the NFC over the rest of the season for the other pretenders. I also had to marvel. I took a peek in at the Buffalo game where they hosted the Colts in a driving snowstorm uh, where the white stuff was piled up high all over the field making for horrendous playing conditions aj that served as a glaring reminder that dfs players really need to anticipate such hazardous and poor playing conditions because it really dampened the scoring totals for all players involved in that game your your thoughts on week 14 partner well the loss of carson wentz is really going to impact season-long leagues uh you know most people out there that own carson wentz with how well he's been doing this year are probably looking at playoff contention and now they're going to have to scramble to find a QB on the waiver wire. Similarly, it'll be interesting to watch to see what happens with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, with the team hanging on to some playoff hopes, they might uh, put him back in. Now, I think if they had lost the last two games, I think there's no chance Rodgers comes back this year. If they're out of playoff contention, why risk it? Uh, but if he does play, this could be your waiver wire target. Uh, you know, Some owners may have dumped him. Uh, but it also could be a huge boost for people that stashed him away. Uh, this fantasy owner included who hung on to him in his leagues that long. Uh, I'm hoping to get a late season push here from Aaron to kind of get me over the hump. So, uh, kind of, uh, some unfortunate, uh, injury related situations in the NFL that are really going to be impacting the, the season long players right now. Over two and a half million players have won the cash prize playing on FanDuel. That's a reminder for all of you to get in the game, to take advantage of our special offer for new users. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash RW. You'll get a free six-month RotoWire subscription plus a free entry into the NFL Sunday Million, which offers more than one million in cash prizes with your first deposit on FanDuel. Just visit FanDuel.com slash RW. Of course, these contests are void where prohibited. All right, let's swing into our DFS segment, AJ. Why don't you run through tonight's slate of games, please? All right, so it starts off Ottawa traveling to Buffalo at 7 o'clock. The Sabres are a minus 110 on that one. That's strictly a home ice edge there. Uh, you've got L.A. at New Jersey. Uh, Los Angeles getting the slight edge at a minus 120, uh, mostly probably because of how good New Jersey's been lately. Uh, Toronto at Philadelphia. Uh, no line on this game yet as far as I can tell. Uh, but I, I do think that's maybe the, the highlight game of the night, uh, watching uh, how the Leafs respond, potentially without Matthews. Uh, you've got Colorado coming off the back-to-back at Washington, who's also coming off the back-to-back. That game also at 7 o'clock. No line on that yet. Edmonton at Columbus. Uh, Blue Jack is heavily favored, a minus 170. Uh, I, I'm a little surprised to see how heavily favored they are, but you, as we said earlier, Cam Talbot's out, and the Oilers have really been struggling. Uh, we move on to the later games. You've got Tampa Bay at St. Louis at 8 o'clock. Lightning, minus 125 there. Calgary at Minnesota. The Wild, uh, the favorites, minus 135. 
Florida coming off the back-to-back. They'll face the Blackhawks at home. Uh, this, for me, probably the biggest matchup to try and capitalize on tonight. Uh, a tired Florida team who potentially is going to play uh, uh, healthy Satori, uh, who's uh, kind of unknown quantity. Now they might decide to play Reamer both ends of the back-to-back, but you're talking about a tired team playing on the road against a rested Blackhawks club. Uh, this is probably where I would consider stacking for tonight. And then the final game of the night, Carolina Hurricanes traveling to Sin City to play the Golden Knights, who are expected to have Marc-Andre Fleury back in that. Hasn't been confirmed yet. Uh, Coach Garagalat was waiting on final you know, kind of confirmation from the medical team that Fleury was good to go. But all indications are it will be the return of the flower tonight uh, in Vegas. And I know you got the box of Kleenex ready for that one, too. <laughs> the marquee matchup for me, though, features the two conference-leading teams, AJ. Uh, they only face each other twice in a season, so I'm going to be interested to see Tampa and St. Louis, each of them leading the conferences, and uh, they go head-to-head tonight in what should be a really good tilt. Now let's uh, see what you've got in terms of your lineup for tonight's games. Well, like, like I, I said, said, you know, stacking, stacking, stacking Chicago might not be a bad look tonight, but I'll start off with Leon Dreisaitl. For 6,500, it it is a little pricey. It is a little bit of a risky move. He hasn't been exactly the hot hand of late. Uh, A goal and assist in his last uh, few games. But overall, uh, I still think he's an elite level player and is worth the $6,500 price tag. And I'll pair him up with Artem Anisimov uh, for Chicago, who's just coming in at (coughs) 5,600. Excuse me. That price tag is just so low. Um, that he's almost a, a must-play tonight for me. On wing, sticking with Nikita Kucherov, just heads and tails has been above the rest of the league for much of the season. High price tag at 8700 but definitely worth it. Uh, I talked about Evander Kane kind of being the lone bright spot in Buffalo. Uh, they're at home against Ottawa, who, again, we talked about. The Senators' struggles of late, 6900 for Kane. Great deal there. Brandon Saad, 5400 uh, for for Chicago again, going back to that matchup, and then Jakub Vrana for forty two hundred. Uh, I like the matchup against Colorado. Now I know Washington played last night too, uh, but so but so too did Colorado, uh, and I expect the Capitals can probably handle that back to back a little bit better than than uh, Colorado, given the depth that they have uh, a little bit better. So that's what I'm doing there. Defensively, John Carlson fifty seven hundred. He's really one of the top options, uh, in my opinion, on the blue line right now. I'm not paying 6700 for Eric Carlson. Uh, I don't love the Drew Doughty matchup at 6000 going up against the Devils. And so John Carlson for me, 5700 And then Chris Russell for Edmonton. Uh, really kind of just taking a flyer on that one, admittedly. He's 4200 uh, has, you know, uh, had a, a pretty good game. He's one of those guys that finds ways to get points without necessarily being on the score sheet. He got eight fantasy points in his matchup with Toronto from blocks and shots. Uh, And so if he can score, that really just ups his value uh, because he does add in some of those other categories. And then saving in goal uh, for a discounted Marc-Andre Fleury for 7,800. He's back healthy. He's at home. And he's facing a Carolina team that uh, really hasn't offered uh, too much resistance to a lot of clubs. So to get uh, that that key matchup for a low price tag uh, is why I went with Flurry between the pipes. 
that's how I've stacked them up, Paul. What about you? Well, I've stacked it up, leading, leaning heavily on a couple of centers who are really playing well right now. Anze Kopitar of the Kings scoring at a pretty much a career pace for him. Goes into New Jersey for $7,100. Looks like a bargain to me. And sim- I feel similarly good about Nate McKinnon against Washington. I'm not sure who they're going to put in net la- because last night uh, Holtby was pulled. Maybe they'll come right back with him. But for $7,000, I'll take McKinnon's hot stick even in that matchup on the road. He's a factor uh, more than he's been in years, and I like the way the big guy's skating right now. And then I go for a bargain uh, on the wing to lead off my wingers, and that's Connor Brown in Philadelphia. This guy's price tag is only $3,400. That's astonishing to me, considering that he's going to get a uh, regular playing time and then a regular shift on the power play as well. So uh, Connor Brown, $3,400, a bargain there to set me up. Uh, of course, whenever Toronto faces Philadelphia, I always talk about Wayne Simmons of the Flyers. He's a Toronto-area boy, and uh, he always plays well against Leafs for $5,300. I think that'll be money well spent, much to my chagrin, I'll say, because he adds a lot of physicality <laughs> to the games too. I spoke about Artemi Panarin against a, an Edmonton team that's giving up uh, a lot lot of uh, stuff defensively. So Panarin's got the hot stick offensively, $7,200. A lot of money to spend there. And I'm sure that the Vegas Golden Knights are going to want to play well in front of uh, the flower. His buddy, James Neal, the central figure in that game, and I picked him to round out my wingers at $7,100. On defense, I went cheap, but with quality. When I look at Morgan Riley, one of the, those uh, 20-point guys that you spoke about, $4,600, the price tag there against Philadelphia. And Mikhail Sergachev, another guy who's pr- pretty cheap at $4,300 against St. Louis in that marquee matchup. Uh, so I look for that tandem to come up big and really drive my my opportunity. You mentioned Chicago, Florida, the most lopsided tilt of the night. I'm sure if I didn't pick Crawford, you might have leaned on him. Uh, but I'm sure you're happy with your pick of the flower. I picked Crawford at $8,600, and I think I'll be equally pleased with that. What is the optimizer show for tonight's games? Well, the optimizer going heavily on the Buffalo Sabres tonight against Ottawa. Starting off with Jack Eichel for 7100 Can't fault that, uh, that pick. Top Top line player, top power play minutes. Uh, I, I think the price tag's a little high for me, which is why I didn't jump in on him, but I, I certainly wouldn't fault it. Nicholas Backstrom as the other center, uh, that Washington-Colorado uh, game that you know uh, we, we talked about. Uh, he's 6,500. Goes to Alexander Ovechkin, sticking with that game, 8,800. And, and likes my Vander Kane pick for 6,900. He's the second saver on this group. Optimizer also likes, Paul, what you were selling on Wayne Simmons for $5,300. That's a pretty decent value uh, for a guy that offers top line, top power play minutes. Mitch Marner uh, for the the final winger here, $4,200. I think both of us are waiting for him to kind of break out for this season. Uh, And tonight could certainly be the night for that. Uh, Rasmus Ristolainen for 4600 is the, the third saber in, in the optimizer. Uh, his struggles we, we talked about uh, uh, when we discussed the team. I'm not ready to, to use him, but you know the optimizer is looking at matchups. It's very numbers-based, uh, so that's who it's going with. Ivan Provorov for Philadelphia for 4400 uh, This is a guy that I, I think can actually add some value. It's an interesting pick here. Uh, the Leafs have been so good lately uh, between the pipes, so so I'm not sold on the decision there. But at 4,400, it's kind of got me maybe considering uh, taking a, another look. Uh, and then between the pipes, we have our fourth and final Buffalo Saber, Robin Lerner, uh, the netminder for the optimizer tonight, 7,200. So you're saving big, big bucks. 
I talked about Flower being a discount at seventy eight hundred. This is six hundred dollars less to get Robin Lerner. So uh, not again, not a bad pick with how uh, difficult or how tough of a time Ottawa's had it lately. Yeah, and maybe that's what drives the optimizers' picks. The Ottawa struggles, but boy, stacking Buffalo, I don't think we'll talk about that too many more times. <laughs> uh, don't forget to check out our daily pods from Monday to Friday where we continue to cover all four major North American sports all year round in our DFS pods uh, where we highlight FanDuel's best plays of the day. It's time now to talk about the stud of the week, and we've talked about this guy a little bit in passing, but I want to make Braden Shan a focal point. He led all scorers with six tallies last week, and we got this call right uh, Uh, from day one it was a bad deal by the flyers to move him to st louis where he's been a great fit this guy's a hard-working player two-way player fits the profile of that team to a t it cost him jory latera who's been a big fat zero and a first round pick uh, morgan frost a young guy who's having a nice year with suse marie in the ohl so time will tell if that's good value for a guy who's filling in the number one center role for a team that's contending for the cup yeah, Shen is on pace to set career highs in goals, assists, plus-minus, game-winning goals, just to name a few. Uh, I think the only knock so far is his power play contributions, which are down slightly. Uh, but all things considered, the move away from the Flyers has really been great for the 26-year-old. Uh, I don't think even, you know, unless Morgan Frost turns out to be uh, this elite elite level player uh which you know he's he's got some talent there it's not outside the realm of possibility but unless he really blows things out of the water i think st louis is going to go down as a big winner in this trade and the rant of the week, uh, Alex Burroughs butt ends Dylan DeMello in the face. The guy got the maximum allowable fine of $5,000. Big deal, I say. That's only a slap on the wrist for one of the league's biggest pests who seems to be getting with this behavior on an ongoing basis through his career. The game needs to be rid of this nonsense. I've railed against it many times before. You don't see sneak attacks like this too often anymore, but it's been a pair of issues this week. Matt, Matthew Tuchuk was spearing Matt Martin. He was sitting on the bench. Matt Martin skated by during a scrum and and Tuchuk speared him right in front of the Leaf bench. This is nonsense. I don't want to see any crap like this in the game anymore and I want to see the league come down hard on on offenders to get this garbage out of the game. We've already seen a diminishing uh, element of fighting uh, almost gone completely but it's the stick work now that needs to be taken care of and right now it's at the forefront. Well I was a little surprised to see how uh, easily Tuchuk got off on that one. I mean just a one-game suspension, uh, and that's twice now this season. I mean, they cited him as being a, a repeat defender in in their decision to give him the one-game fine. So I guess, or the one-game suspension. So I guess without that, would he have been just fine for that move? Uh, and that that kind of struck me as weird. Um, I, I think it's definitely clear though that any more antics from him, he's going to face a pretty significant suspension uh, at this point. A, a third one in one season. I think they'll they'll finally probably throw the book at him for that one well i sure hope so in any case that wraps it up for this week's podcast with statsman and aj remember to send your comments or questions on twitter follow me paul bruno at statsman 22 you can follow aj at aj Schultz 24 we hope you've enjoyed this show and circle back to get more roster updates injury news and other topical news from around the nhl on december 19 for the next episode of podcast so you get all the latest news and our tips to stay out of the competition of the fantasy contest so long everybody